Good evening, citizens. My name is Ban Shattersong, captain of the Bloody Hand Mercenary Company. A charming, charming person. And surprisingly, quite an accomplished artisan. And for those of you who've never picked up a set of tools or struck metal at an anvil before, I would like to tell you a little bit more about crafting today, and specifically the materials that are used to enable it. There are two broad categories of, of materials in the Empire. There are the, the more common and the less common. The more common are the ingots of metal you might see citizens walking around with or trading the small rectangular blocks with perhaps a shield printed on them or the greenish or red stones. And these are your more common resources. And we will certainly be covering those today. The other set, the less common, the much more expensive and the ones that are quite often shipped in large blocks on the back of carts are your we call them boss resources. This might be mithril or weirwood, for example. Significantly rarer and significantly more valuable. They certainly won't be going around in your pockets, at least not in their physical form. Should anyone come up to you with a, uh, well, a, a well-gilded piece of paper, that in fact represents one of those boss resources, and it fetches a high price on the streets of Anvil and is used to build things like schools, fortresses, fortifications, roads, uh, great works, anything of that kind of scale. The more common resources, the ones that are indeed represented without paper, but actually physically in the palm of your hand, are used for the magical swords, shields and armour that is much more common to see amongst the heroes of Anvil. And those common resources are what I'm going to talk to you about today. So, again within this category, the less, uh, well, the less expensive resources within Anvil, there are two types. There are metals and natural materials. Now the metals consist of orichalcum, tempest jade, green iron and welt silver. The natural materials consist of ambergelt, beggar's lie, dragon bone, and iridescent gloaming. There is another called Ilium. However, this is significantly rarer than those we have already discussed and uh, again fetches a higher price, but it is not quite the, uh, let's call it the same magnitude as those notes from the Borse denoting a, a wane of weirwood or mithril. Now let's start with the things that uh, certainly I've worked with the most. The metals and orichalcum. This is a lustrous red mineral, most commonly mined at high altitudes, but exists throughout the empire. It is tough with a moderate melting point and when polished looks a lot like gold. Alloyed with iron, to create a orichalcum steel, or used in its pure form for inlays and other decorations. It is quite a, well, quite a nice material to work with, if 
I do say so myself. As with gold and silver, it can be used to create embroidery thread as well, although it is more commonly used in the form of jewellery or buttons, perhaps. It's particularly good for creating things that break or pierce, or for dissipating powerful blows. It is resistant to day-to-day -day wear and tear, and it does not rust. And as a point of interest, they are often stamped with the symbol of a shield. Tempest Jade is a hard stone prized for its translucency and beauty, and as the name might suggest, it is a beautiful green colour. It shares the same broad range of coloration found in other classes of jade, but is especially translucent. There are cloudy imperfections that form within the stone and may cause it to change colour ever so slightly or shift in intensity over time. These are what we call tempest clouds and part of what gives the material its name. It's, it's often found in quite small deposits, usually along other hard stones, and is polished and carefully shaped and cut to provide decoration in a variety of crafts, especially in the form of jewellery. Tempest Jade needs to be worked with care, however, for mishandling the material causes it to splinter, sometimes violently. Artisans sometimes splinter the jade intentionally, and the resulting splinters are further broken down to create a fine abrasive dust that is used for polishing metal or finishing wood or leather. Materials finished with Tempest Jade end up with infinitesimal pieces of stone embedded in their fabric. Chunks of Tempest Jade are often scored with a lightning bolt symbol, although the swirling and translucent nature alongside the colour can uh, indicate what it is. And for those of you who, well, who know me or indeed know southern Myaran, there is a town of Holt, where I'm from, and just outside it, well, that's the, lies the Tempest Jade Mine that I grew up in. It's, uh, it's a mighty fine place, and certainly the, the reason and the core behind my artisan history it's a, it's a beautiful material, especially for the creation of some magical items, such as an Abraxas stone, a incredibly powerful necklace, or typically a piece of jewellery, I do prefer mine as a necklace, that gives you immunity to the, the effects of green lung and contracting it in the first place when you go into the, the lawn miasma. And what's more, should you fall and die the death of a hero, you will not return as one of those husks, one of those, uh, one of our fallen friends, should you be wearing one of those stones. Green iron is a dark mineral, very soft, but it has a high melting point. It's found in both iron and copper deposits, it's fairly common, and then properly treated it creates a very brittle form of iron, uh, useless in most crafts and applications. 
but alloyed carefully with the correct proportions, it produces a very lightweight steel, even lighter than common mithril. It's almost supernaturally responsive to the needs of the wielder, and is most commonly used in making weapons and heavy and medium armour, where perhaps mobility might often be impeded, but this supernatural responsivity can almost make up for. It's also used with copper to create jewellery again, and the ore can be broken down to create glazes for ceramics and for, for glass to make truly fine pieces of work. And making particularly fine green, blue and brown dyes. These processed ingots tend to be lighter in coloration from the raw ore, and are often stamped with the sword symbol. Welt silver is similar in coloration to the green iron, but stamped with the symbol of a droplet. This uh, precious metal is often found in the veins of uh, reddish glistening ore, and it looks like it's almost bleeding. The, the rock itself is bleeding from a, from a wound. And legend says it is the blood of giants, or the first people, that fell on the ground during some titanic battle. It is commonly found near deposits of other precious metals, and once refined it appears to be similar to silver, but more lustrous and uh, a little heavier. It is quite malleable, and has the fascinating quality of both warming up quite slowly and cooling down very, very quickly. Should you be in possession of a, um, <laughs> I suppose, the most ostentatious pot in Andal, or perhaps pan, you could uh, maybe explore some different methods of cooking, should those kind of uh, warming qualities be useful. Well, silver itself is very effective at shaping, directing, and channeling living energies, but it's also quite resilient and flexible. Uh, by itself, it's easily damaged, and commonly it gets alloyed with other materials for this reason. Uh, with iron, it creates a particularly pale reflective steel, and uh, when it's mixed with gold or copper, it creates valuable lightweight metals that are highly decorative. It's also suitable for making thread, employed in uh, gold work if you want to use the embroidery term, and is often used for banners, cloth, and some lightweight armours. And when I say it's very effective at shaping, directing, and channeling living energies, this often applies to the magical items that might require more of this resource than, uh, than say, mundane weapons. Take, for example, a longsword. If you, uh, well, you get a piece of steel, make yourself a hilt, a pommel, uh, the blade itself, uh, you have a sword. Great. Congratulations. If you want to decorate it, you might use a bit of a welt silver compound or even on a calcum to get a gold effect, perhaps, on the pommel of the sword. It might look nice. It probably will. But the blade itself won't have a magical property. Once we start to include many, many ingots of these materials, however, that is when artisans can start to create items charged and imbued with magical powers and energy. And wilt silver in particular is useful. Indeed, for all of these materials, artisans can use them to make to make these 
magical items and they can vary from swords to shields to jewelry with a variety of different effects it's uh it's fascinating and certainly worth talking to your local artisan and just seeing what they know what they know how to make almost none of them are the same apart from maybe perhaps a uh, apprentice's blade it's quite often that they'll have something interesting that they can offer to build for you for a price of course otherwise from the metals we do have natural materials these come from uh, forests typically whilst the metals will come from mines amber gilt is uh, similar in appearance to tempest jade once refined into its uh, the rocks where you'll see an anvil but has a beautiful red hue it's uh, it's often known as a living amber and is a soft resinous material that is carefully extracted from a living tree like amber it is found in various colours and often contains uh, contains preserved insects as inclusions. Think of it as free protein. It is almost liquid when first extracted, but set to become a tough, smooth material within a few minutes. It is often used as a decoration, but it can also be dissolved in strong alcohol to create a resinous varnish that adds a deep luster to wood and leather. And should you see a, a rich red leather colouring to perhaps another citizen's armour, then it's potential well it's potentially dyed by that alcohol and amber gilt solution. The uh, symbol of the sap, maybe perhaps uh, reflecting the creatures held within, is a wasp. And should you run your thumb over these blocks carefully, you'll find its outline inside it. Beggar's lie, however, is not a well-formed, uh, at least on the streets of Anvil, you will not see it in its, uh, in an ingot form or in, indeed as a rock or a gem. It will be in a small bottle with a skull and crossbones in a white bone colour on the front of it. This is a highly toxic material. It's created from the ashes of uh, burning the dried wood of the rare beggarwood tree. And it has a number of exotic alchemical properties that make it in, in, in high demand amongst crafters. Mixed with water, it creates a powerful lye solution that uh, removes impurities and helps to tan hides, bleach cloth and quench metals. Mixed with pine resin, it produces a very flammable material that could be used to heat forges and furnaces to very high temperatures, critical in the formation of some of these uh, more magical items. The resulting caustic material removes impurities from other materials and it can be employed to make soft things hard and hard things soft for a short period after immersion or quenching, allowing many materials to be shaped more easily. Cloth bleached with beggar's lye will take other pigments extremely well and for example leather hides tanned in a solution of beggar's lye are particularly durable. However, as the skull and crossbones might symbolise, the fumes are poisonous and unless precautions are taken will cause breathing difficulties and damaged eyesight over time. Those who work extensively with the material often have bleached skin or scars from acidic burns. And uh, <laughs> if that wasn't enough reason to stay away, the skull and bones on the measured bottles of them 
will certainly do the trick. Dragon Bone is another more unusual material. It's uh, well, it looks a little bit like the bones of a dragon, a little uh, a finger bone, maybe perhaps a couple inches long. Sometimes called world marrow, it's a soft material that resembles petrified bone or wood, and deposits are found in soil, especially around living trees. It can be carefully shaped and crafted when exposed to heat, but melts rather than burns. It shares many properties of, uh, of clay or ceramics, and is, well, it's a truly magical material, and it's often characterized as being almost alive in some indefinable way, despite quite clearly being an inanimate object. Treated correctly, it can take on a variety of colours and most commonly ivory white, a tan or a, a golden brown, and once it has been shaped and set, it is quite difficult to damage by mundane means. It is most valued as a material that enhances and modifies the process of creating bonds. It is used in many items that allow multiple individuals to, uh, to spiritually bond to them, such as banners or coven stones, or in items that uh, split a single bond, such as a paired item. Uh, what comes to mind is Rake's Progress for a pair of twinned one-handed blades, for example. It is also favoured by followers of the Imperial Faith as a material that resonates well with uh, spiritual energies and can often be involved in certain rituals. Now, if these bones weren't obvious enough, they are stamped with the head of a dragon. Finally, Iridescent Gloaming is a powerful dye produced by the byproduct of the, uh, the manufacture of rainbow silk, a, a strong thread that is valuable both for embroidered decorations and for making beautiful cloth. And I mean, should you go to any markets, uh, especially in the cities of the League, where uh, perhaps there's more affluent shoppers are to be found, oh, just run your hands, just the back of your hand, and make sure the merchant doesn't see you do it, but just across the back of some of these cloths, they are just, oh, I, I can't describe it. The thread is tough and hard to snap or sever, making it fantastic to work with, and it requires steadily, steady application of pressure to cut and it makes it highly prized as a result. I don't know how many of you amongst well amongst my followers are crafters in any way artisans or e even amateurs but when sewing just two pieces of thread together perhaps to make a, a bracer or reinforce or patch and repair your armor you yank too hard on the thread and it snaps you have to re-thread the needle and sometimes start again not a problem with iridescent gloaming. Just ah, fantastic stuff. The silk is, is actually spun from the cocoons of the iridescent butterfly. It's a, a, a gorgeous insect with rainbow colored wings and is uniquely active both during the day and at night. Uh, by day, the butterfly appears quite pale and drab. Uh, the wings are usually white, ivory, or maybe a light pastel shade. But by night, the true beauty of these butterflies is revealed. The wings become bright and luminous, shifting in colour, seemingly, seemingly at random. 
and they create these gorgeous displays in summer and the, the early autumn as they dance among the twilight groves where their caterpillars feed. The butterfly does not prosper in the climate of the empire and it does require careful attention as a result. It breeds most successfully in the lands of silk and spice where it is said that these creatures swarm in such profusion that they can transform night into day. Iridescent gloaming is produced from the remnants of the cocoons which are ground down to produce a thick waxy substance. Iridescent gloaming has an almost magical quality that allows it to take on different colours in the hands of a skilled artisan, such as yours truly, and is noted for its use in creating exquisite embroidery or as a colour wash for leather. Its peculiar magical properties make it a common component in items that use magic or produce magical effects. And uh, the iridescent butterfly is used as a symbol by many Dornish weaver cabals, actually. And uh, a bottle of this gloaming is usually stamped with a butterfly as a result. So those are the most, let's call them common artisan materials in the empire. There are of course your common ones like bronze, brass, steel, iron, and those are present in abundance, especially in the mines of uh, Varushka. However, there is one more metal, ilium, precious, precious ilium, sometimes called star metal. It's a rare mineral that falls from the sky. It has magical properties that mean it is in very much demand by ritualists, crafters, and even some apothecaries. It is most valuable because it can greatly extend the duration of many rituals and can be used to create artifacts. The, um, the rituals and the magical items that artisans and priests can produce are often short-lived, or at least their effects are. However, using an appropriate amount of ilium, you can create artifact items, and these are truly the, the pinnacle of the artisan's craft. An item so potent that it does not lose its magical abilities. For example, within the Var, there is the Barb Graft, a, uh, a potent spear that has been imbued with ilium. And uh, gosh, I, I cannot describe the ludicrous expense of such a process. But these artifacts are handed down from generation to generation to generation. Companies of troopers are sacrificed to reclaim them and they are some of the most potent ancestral items that we can obtain. And in my dabblings as an apothecary, there are a few potions that require just a single ring to make some quite extraordinary solutions. But nobody, and I'm telling you, nobody is willing to pay you the correct price for such a potent potion. So, Dear citizens, should you ever require a sword, a blade, a breastplate, a shield, or perhaps even the coveted uh, Bractus stone to keep you safe from the, uh, the fecund dangers that lie within the miasma of the Valon, come and find Ban, and uh, I'm sure I can hook you up with something.